0: Thank you Aaron and Marilyn and for your singing and we want to look tonight as we have been able to do this week in the area of revival in our personal lives and in the lives and testimonies of our families and now tonight in the life of our assembly in our gathering in our corporate gathering for our Lord what a privilege it is to live for him. And I want to go, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. As you're turning there, J.I. Packer wrote a book about godliness years ago, and he talked about in the introduction to that book that the... Many of the saints that have gone on before us, especially those that were impacted in a time of revival. He compared to a walk through the redwoods or the sequoias, these massive trees in central California and, and, and the statement that they make in the presence that they make. And the Lord Jesus does that at times of revival in unusual ways sometimes in stirring the hearts of people that maybe have been rather cold towards him for a time. He will warm and stir that heart and, and, and through them the testimony that they bear, the service that we do for them, many lives are touched. And we've been praying for that. This week. Many of us have been gathered this week to pray for that, and it's been a privilege to do so. And we're thankful for those that the Lord has moved their hearts to be here and to join with us wherever they could. Uh, and it was, it was right now, I'm not speaking out of school, it was an experiment. It was the first time, and, and, uh, and I'd say it, it proved itself well. And probably something that may be looked at as another opportunity again in the future, an opportunity to come together. Those who love the Lord Jesus and spend time primarily in prayer. That's what we were doing. And that's what we'll be doing here shortly as we set up these thoughts. So we're thinking here about our testimony for the Lord. Verse 15, Ephesians 4. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That kind of in two verses summarizes what. Christian ministry and Christian service and the Christian life is about. And you notice what I like to think of it is that, that it's all inclusive. The Lord wants to use all of us, not just certain ones, not just certain ones that we might think of as clergy or certain ones that have special gifts, we may call it sometimes. He wants to use everyone. You notice that. He says, From whom the whole body. Joined and knit together by what? How many joints supply? Every joint. Every one of you is important, see, to this. And then he says, so he says, the whole body, every joint, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Now we have a living example of this in a physical terminology where the brother Aaron tonight, the Lord has given us... a the connection of when the, when the tendons and the bones aren't connected and don't work well together, it causes at least inconvenience, if not worse, right? And, and in the spiritual realm, every tendon, every joint, and you notice he's talking here about joined and knit together by what every joint supply. Why would he emphasize a joint in the physical body? What is the primary purpose of a joint like an elbow or a knee or a hip? Motion, right? <laughs> Movement, right? And and that's what that's what the whole what he's trying to communicate. There's there's a work to be done. And and we integrate and work together, see? And every joint, every soul, every believer has an important part in this. No one's to be left out. Every part does its share, and when one part of the body doesn't do its share, what does he say in 1 Corinthians twelve? The whole body suffers. So, this is what we talk about in discipleship ministry. Once someone has come to know the Lord, to use the street phrase, we seek to plug them in. We seek to get them in a position where they can be useful to the Lord, and of course, in a wise kind of a way. We don't give them a responsibility where they will fail and be embarrassed and ashamed and leave. You start off with a responsibility that they can do. <laughs> I remember when I first was saved and I came into the assembly. Well, they said, well, you, you can usher. You can, you can stand at the door and hand up. Yeah, I, that's something I could do and not mess up. And, you know, as long as I kept my mouth shut and did that, <laughs> I was a new believer. I didn't know the terminology. I didn't know a lot about the Christian. I knew the Lord and I knew I was saved. There was a lot to learn. And you learn more in those situations by being quiet than by speaking. <laughs> So that's where they moved me into. They actually worked in the nursery. I took out trash. I did the different things, cleaning, all of those kind of things. Anything I could do for the Lord, I wanted to do. And it gradually moved into different areas. And that's what we want to do. So we see then that it's it's a process that speaking the truth in love, we may grow up. There is a growth process here. And he uses the term edifying of itself at the end of verse 16. The term edification. We get our word edifice from that, right? An edifice is a building. So when we talk about edification or edifying, we're talking about building up. Or spiritual growth unto maturity. Or. Becoming transformed into the image of Christ. All of those are the same different ways of saying the same thing. That's part of what we do in discipleship. When we come together as a group of believers, we're seeking to edify one another in love. So that then as we go out in the various places where he uses us in our community, we can shine forth that glow that we got when we came together. And we're going to see there are some things that hinder that. And we'll, we'll, we'll see that there's a biblical way of dealing with those. But that is the goal. It's interesting over just a, a page in chapter 2, verse 10. Our brother read this this morning. And it's such a great idea. We're talking about getting a vision for who we are, for who Christ is, for our relationship to him and with him and Part of edifying ourselves in love and growing in understanding is understanding who we are. What we've been brought into through faith in Christ. And nothing less than God's masterpiece. Now that's what that word in in my Bible, verse 10 of Ephesians, we are his workmanship. That's a good translation. The Greek word is poiema. We get our English word poem from it. And a poem is sometimes referred to as a master work, especially if it's a good poem or a, a particular artist's masterpiece. So that word poema can be translated. It's a masterwork. It's a great achievement. And the church is God's masterpiece. We are part of that. We have a role in that. Created in Christ Jesus. There's the new creation. We've been talking about the new birth. For good works. That's the ministry. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we talked about walking. The other night, that how we walk according to the great calling to which we've been called, Ephesians one, And how he works out walking in the new man, and walking in light, and walking in love, and walking in wisdom. You get the picture. There's motion here. There's responsibility here. There's service here. And so we've been called to this this workmanship but he also says in verse 19 of the same chapter it's the household of God it's a brotherhood it's a community it's a family so already we see three metaphors right there we see a we see the idea of a building we see the masterpiece of a masterwork of a building we see a household a family and we see the body the physical body being a picture of the spiritual body of how we interact and interrelate and how we are interdependent upon one another and in that context he talks about spiritual gifts in chapter four and and to me it's spectacular what he says here in the particular Old Testament picture he uses, I don't know if you've studied Ephesians 4, 1 to 16 anytime lately, but the particular Old Testament metaphor or picture or illustration he uses is psalm, it's one verse out of Psalm 68, which is a majestic psalm of our Lord's coming in his millennial reign. That's the primary purpose of the psalm. It divides into two main parts. First his deliverance from, from Egypt. And in, in, at Sinai. And his taking into the conquest of the land. Which ended up in them being put out of the land. And that's where verse 18 that he quotes ended. And in. The second half of the psalm hasn't been fulfilled yet. And I believe Psalm 68 and Psalm 69 go together. Psalm 69, the psalm of our Lord's humiliation and suffering. Psalm 68, his glorification. You say, well, that's reversed chronologically. No, but in God's mind, the glorification is because of the humiliation, see? Psalm 22, it's just the other way around the humiliation, then the glorification. And that, it's, to me, it's awesome. How the Lord does that. Isaiah 53 divides into two parts the same way. His humiliation and his exaltation. Philippians 2, his humiliation and his exaltation. Psalm 68 and 69 I think go together in that way. And he uses Psalm 68 talking about Christ's gift. Verse 7 of chapter 4. But to each one of us. How many of us? Thank you. Each one of us. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Whose gift is it? It's Christ's gift, never ours. And we don't go to him and tell him what we want. We may pray for a particular gift, but we received what he gives us. And each one of us, it's different. And no one's one gift is any more important than the other gift. He talks about apostles. He talks about prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not everyone is an evangelist. Not everyone is a pastor and teacher. Not everyone has the gift of administration. Not everyone has the gift of mercy. We have different gifts. And of course it would be very selfish to exalt just our gifts. Say well ours is the most important. Because it's the one I have. Right? No. All of them are important. That's the flesh. Right? That's old man thinking. And so if we're edifying one another in love. I should be wanting to help You. Find your gift and find an avenue for you to use it in the local body, unto the glory of Christ, unto the edification of the entire body, esteeming others better than ourselves. We talked about that the other night. And so all of this is through Christ. We might say John 15, the the story of the vine and the branches. Some call that a parable. Gooding does, <laughs> calls it a parable. But the whole illustration that, that our guidance, our nurturing, our protection, our, our fruitfulness in fulfilling our calling is as we abide in Christ, the vine. That's the key. And, and as we abide in Christ, we will have more concern for our brethren. Each one of us. See. So that's the process. That's what's going on. That's what God's master work is about. In First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, he says, You have been called to this into the fellowship of his son. Whoa. The sharing together with the Son of God. He considers us a sharing together with Him in this. That's an awesome privilege. And it's an awesome responsibility. And so since we know we live in a world of sin and we know that we have an old nature that is prone to be influenced by sin and we tend to fail, what are some of the things that would hinder? We talked that one of the themes of this particular day is things that would hinder that particular work of the assembly or how we can maybe do things differently. To improve upon it. And the first I would suggest we might go to Matthew chapter 18, because in Matthew chapter 18 we see a particular area of offenses. I'm going to deal with this around three things seek reconciliation, seek restoration, seek evangelism and edification. I'm building around those three concepts. Those are the three areas, I think, are particular things that will help us to understand how we can fulfill the work God has given us to do. So in the area of offenses, seek reconciliation. Matthew 18, our Lord, up until verse 15, tells us, he gives us some rich illustrations on offenses will come. But woe to those through whom they come. That's not a good thing for you and I to be a vehicle of offending a brother or a sister. Not in God's eyes. We may make justification for it. But God doesn't like that. Because he sees us as a body. He sees us all knit together. He's not going to hurt one part of the body. And and expect the body to continue on. See? So he says in verse 15. Moreover, and this is that three-step process. Of reconciling with someone who has sinned against us or offended us. Moreover, if your brother, notice this is a brother now. He's not talking about an unbeliever here. Someone outside the assembly. If your brother sins against you, go to your phone and call your favorite friend and complain about him. Is that what it says? No? Isn't that what we do a lot of times though? Start a gossip about this brother or sister, which makes the reconciliation that much harder to complete. See, If we would just follow the scripture, in some senses this scripture is so simple, but in other senses it's hard to obey for some reason. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. In other words, you're seeking to minimize the ripple effect of this. You don't need to tell anybody else. You need to don't, don't need to call sister so-and-so or call brother so-and-so and say, you can't believe what so-and-so did to me tonight. Let me tell you about it. Because now the ripple's going on, and then so and so calls their so-and-so, and so-and-so calls that one. We know this happens, don't we? Go to him. Alone, if he hears you, you have done what with your brother? Oh, oh, is that the goal? We're trying to gain our brother, huh? We're not trying to, to lose him, trying to push him out, trying to get rid of him. No, see. But the whole goal is to gain him or her. because the body loses when we lose just one. And then you say, well, okay, I went to him. I've been through this process. A lot of us have been, and sometimes it works out good, and sometimes it doesn't work out well, you know. But we leave that in prayer with the Lord. But then there's a second step. You take someone with you, and then the third step, you tell it to the church, you know, and all of this before the eyes of our blessed Savior, who's watching as the head of the church and seeing to it that we're doing this in a way. That pleases him. You notice. there's The goal is to win. That brother or sister back. To gain them. Right? The goal is not to pay. That brother or sister back. Right? Vengeance is mine. I will repay saith the Lord. Romans 12.19. As much as lieth with you. Be at peace with all men. That is a huge challenge. But you and I can be to a place right now tonight. And I hope each one of us can say that. And if we can't, maybe in our prayer time, we can kind of work through that with the Lord where I can say, you know, as far as I know, I'm at peace with all men. Now, that doesn't mean all men are at peace with me because reconciliation takes two, doesn't it? And the other party may not want to reconcile even if you want to. But if you've reached out to him and you've been kind to him, you've done the right thing, then your soul and your is satisfied and your conscience is clear. You've done what you can. Brother Alan Malchuk is a biblical counselor up in the Carolinas. And we've had a chance to visit. I haven't seen him in years and talked to him earlier this year. He's a dear brother and loves the Lord and, and has helped many people with scriptural counseling and and we were talking about some things and he he told he, of a particular brother he said I told the brother I said you've done what you can let it go and, and I thought yeah I like that there's a freedom to that there's a release you've done what you can let it go move on see but you can't do that until you've done what the Lord asked us to do our part of it first right but as much as lieth with us, be at peace with all men. And sometimes, as the Old Testament gives us principles, there's restitution involved. Now, that restitution can work out in different ways, depending on what the offense is. And the Bible talks about, you know, if, the, if it's the oxen, you replace the oxen, and if it, different things in their agrarian economy. But the principle is there, that restitution fourfold sometimes And different things that we have in the law. We're under grace. But the principle is there. That sometimes restitution. Is is the more gracious thing to do. To go above and beyond. The call of duty. Amen. That's what people that understand grace want to do. So that's the area of reconciliation with the offended. But then over in Galatians chapter 6. and verse 1. We see some tremendous teaching here. With regard to those who need to be restored. The hurting. Those who have stumbled. Brethren, verse 1 of Galatians 6. If a man is overtaken in any trespass. Now this is real, beloved. Because this happens. But you notice this is not someone who was... Setting out to do this sin. They were trapped. They were, they were overtaken by this fall. They were caught by surprise. And, and it, was, it caused them to fall into a place of, of hurt. You who are spiritual. We talked about this the other night. You who are spiritual. And who are the spiritual Those who exhibit consistently the qualities in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about right in the context. You who are spiritual are the ones who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And notice right in the middle, the three characteristics. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness. If you are in a place where you are hurting and and you have been overtaken by a fault, what kind of person do you want to come help you? Someone who has long-suffering, kind, goodness. Goodness is someone that is seeking the welfare of another. Kindness is one who's seeking to be gentle and thoughtful and sensitive. Long-suffering doesn't blow up all of a sudden, but is patient, long-tempered. That's the kind of person he says who is spiritual. And what's the goal here? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, here our our brothers, Malady, Aaron's Malady, is another example because the word restore there is the idea of mending a broken bone. It's not a broken bone in your case, but had it it, it is a little out of. Is it out of joint? Can we say that? And and when a bone, I don't know. I had a broken bone once on my wrist, and, and fortunately, it, it started healing the right way. And calcium already started building up on it, but it, had that not happened, they would have had to do what, Calvin? You probably had to, would have had to re-break it. Now, if you've got a bone that's broken and out of joint, what kind of person do you want to come along and set that right? Somebody that's got a hammer in their back pocket and, and said, I'll take care of this. Or someone like a paramedic that's been trained to do it. It's interesting to watch them, how gentle they are and how they think of all the different things. I know which one I'd want. And in the spiritual realm, that's the kind of person I'd want to restore to. And not all of us are in that place to do that. And wisdom would tell us that in a particular situation, we shouldn't volunteer ourselves. Even if we know of a particular need, we should go to our brother or sister who is spiritual, who we know that is more mature and that is balanced in these characteristics we're talking of. That's the kind of person we want to go because they're more likely to achieve the desired result, which is restoration. And he gives a warning. Consider in yourself, lest you also be tempted. Don't just rush off in it and think that, well, that would never happen to me, right? Because 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. If you go right into it and say, well, I wouldn't have that problem. Well, already that's pride. And so that's... the. Works of the flesh, not the fruit of the spirit in that list, isn't it? So the Lord gives us this protection. You who are spiritual, help to set that bone. Over in Romans 14, one of the great statements that Paul makes here. I'm sorry, chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. We then who are strong. (laughs) It is interesting. Historically. Who think they are strong in the faith and those who think they are realize that they are weak in the faith. The legalist, the one who wants to have a strict code, is the one who thinks he's well, I'm the strong in the faith. I can show it by my legal. No, actually, the legalist is the one that is weak in the faith because he needs his faith supported by this list of rules. He won't trust just the Lord in grace. The one who understands grace is the one who's strong in the faith. See, the gracious one. And he says, we then, Paul includes himself with those type who are strong, who understand grace, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. See, That's part of this whole community aspect of what we're talking about, right? Concern for every individual. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to, there's that word again, edification. See? Leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14, after talking about the use of, and abuse of, of spiritual gifts. He summarizes in verse 26. How is it then brethren. Whenever you come together. Each of you has a psalm. Has a teaching. Has a tongue. Has a revelation. Has an interpretation. And then here's the mandate. Let all things. Be done for. What? Edification. Same word. So we saw that in Romans 14. We see that in 1 Corinthians 14. We see that as the emphasis in Ephesians for, for the building up of one another in love. Now, one thing that the Lord has put on my heart that I've wanted over in Second John that I had attempted to try to share with many of the saints I've been with this year. The Lord showed me this earlier in the year. and I think it's very important to realize because sometimes I hear this, and maybe you have too, that this idea that, well, you know, you focus on doctrine and I focus on love. Right. You heard this kind of dichotomy, you know, that those who focus on doctrine, well, doctrine, so divisive and it's so unloving. I focus on love. See, and you focus on doctrine. But the Bible doesn't let you do that. <laughs> and second, John six is one of the clearest statements on this. The whole area of truth and love is what John has been emphasizing, moving back and forth in the first five verses. And he says in verse six. This is love. okay? He's defining love, right? This is love. that we walk according to His commandments. that we walk according to truth. So God's saying, well if you say you love and you're not interested in truth, then, then you don't love me. you don't love biblically. you may talk you may love the way the world loves, but when you love biblically, You love according to truth. And of course, that's all the way through the Bible. But this is one of the clearest statements. So I'm moving along. He's talking about loving one another in truth and you're growing in the truth. And he said, this is love. And I'm expecting him to say that you love one another because he just said that a couple verses ahead. And he says, no, no. That we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. That you should walk in it. See, speaking the truth in love that's where we started over in Ephesians 4:15 speaking the truth but in love all of this part of the service of the work the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry that we've been called to in the assembly it's a rich fulfilling enormous privilege beloved may we catch the vision of it we didn't spend time on it but we have another earlier meetings today seeking evangelism our brother did that very well this afternoon is seeking edification Ron covered that some this morning so seeking reconciliation seeking to be a party in restoration, seeking the evangelism, the sharing the gospel with the lost, and the edification ministry of building up, discipling those who come to Christ. All of that is what the giftedness of the body is about. See, Edifying itself in love. Why? To the glory of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.